MOPM, you doing well? Good. 14 of you. Dad's not as proud of you anymore. Hey, Momentum's coming up this week. How many students we have in here? Parents of students, people that have been to Momentum. It's a... Amazing, we were already going to see uh, record attendance, the, the most students we've ever had for Momentum uh, this week, and so excited, uh, Pastor Chandler and Logan and the whole team, uh, uh, all of our students team that has been a part of it, and student leaders getting ready. My son Bentley was able to go last year for the first time uh, as he was heading into sixth grade, and it was the best three days of his summer, just so many relationships with new mentors and student leaders, and tons of fun moments in the presence of God, and so... Uh, Due to the generosity of several expansion team members, uh, the whole church provides through our tithes and offerings our, our kids' summer camp completely free. Hundreds of kids uh, came uh, this year and gave their life to Jesus uh, and experienced church, and so thank you for that. But several expansion team members uh, make a way for uh, hundreds of our uh, Momentum students to go for free. And so right now, if you're thinking about it as a student uh, and you can't afford it, cost is not uh, in the way anymore. We have uh, scholarships available. If you know anybody, uh, neighbors, neighbors' kids, coworkers, friends, family, uh, we do have spots available, scholarship spots available. So find somebody in the student uh, section uh, out in the lobby or find somebody with a staff badge or a name tag. They can point you uh, in the right direction. And if you're a parent or grandparent here, make your kids go. Come on, be a parent this week and make your kids go. I promise you're making them do a lot of stuff that is not as important uh, as being in a room with a bunch of uh, Christian leaders and, and, and hearing uh, the Word of God. And I'm going to preach the last session, really excited about it, and I'm flying back overnight on a red eye. So it's going to be a lot of fun, the last session of momentum. It may not be Christian, but it will be a lot of fun. And so excited to be there with the students uh, on Friday as well. I have a, a topic today, uh, kind of a standalone message, not in a series, and really, uh, I really want to share from my wealth of knowledge uh, a topic that I have completely mastered uh, perfectly. I, I live in this t uh, topic today with utter perfection, a hundred out of a hundred. I'm completely lying. It's actually one of my biggest weaknesses. In fact, uh, I could have preached this message with or without you here today. This is a message preached to myself that you're just watching me live out. What I want to talk about today is the security that comes with contentment. Living a life of contentment, that we are content with what God has given us, what he's calling us to, and that we exchange some, some things in our life for peace, joy, contentment, and security. We're gonna believe, uh, be in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 13 this afternoon. Let me read it. And then we're going to start at the end. I'm going to give you the objective, the goal, and then I'm going to give you the process on how to get there. Verse 4 says this, always be full of joy. We can stop right there because that's a real challenge for us. Always, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming Soon, and in fact, that is a key to having joy in every situation. And we're talking about this at the end. That's an eternal perspective. We can have joy in every situation if we would constantly remember that the Lord is returning. That this isn't our home. This isn't our final destination. That we have a hope in glory, a hope in heaven. Verse six. Don't worry about anything. Always be full of joy. Don't worry about anything. Paul's really giving us a really easy task list here. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. 
then you'll experience God's peace. You're gonna find a lot of things that if you do this in this passage, then you will get this. It's a promise of God that kind of has a, a caveat, that there's things that we can do. We don't obligate God to anything, but there are principles in this earth that he's placed in this earth that if we do certain things, then things happen. When you have joy, when you pray, you'll have peace. If you don't pray, you're gonna have worry. So if we do this, then we will have peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Check out this next part. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Again, a lot of things connected here. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix, set, focus. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, then the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. I love this. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. That's the goal today, to find a little more contentment in our life. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. Here's the secret, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ, who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. If you're like me, a lot of times fighting for contentment or trying to find contentment means searching for things to make us feel better. A lot of times we we view contentment is we have to find something and then we'll be content. If I get this resource, if I get this job, if I get this relationship, if I go to this place, then, if I get that, then I'll be content. I want to submit to you this afternoon that contentment is not outside in, it's inside out. Because here's what I know, when you get back from that place, when you're in that relationship long enough, when you get that new position, you realize that wasn't it. Come on, we live in the vacation capital of the world, Orlando, Florida. There are people that spend their whole life saving to come here. I don't know why, (laughs) but they believe. That for 10, 15, $20,000 for seven to 10 days that they can go and they're gonna walk down Main Street hand in hand interlock because they really love each other now. And mom's gonna look at dad and dad's gonna look at mom and they're gonna smile and say, it's just, isn't this the most magical place on earth? I love you so much. The kids are grateful and they're so thankful and they're so full of joy and happy. I've never seen that one time. I see divorce and abuse and anger because contentment's not outside in, it's inside out. 
went on a cruise with my family uh, back for spring break with my boys and my parents and family, my wife. And my mom and my boys love cruises. I call them family prisons. <laughs> the room is a, it's a prison. It really is. The shower comes about right here. You can't, even, you can't even bend over to get down there because you got the shower so tight, so you kind of just like, just double leg cramp, you know, just trying to just splash some water. No contentment on a cruise ship. You got all-you-can-eat buffets. You never get full, but you always get fat. You come back from these places, and I'm, and I'm just having some fun to get to this more serious thought. You know, over the past few years, if you've been around church, you know there's been a, a lot of ups and downs just personally and some loss and some different things. And, and a lot of times it was, it was looking forward to, not a cruise, because I don't like cruises, but a, a trip, a golf trip, a trip with friends, maybe a, a vacation. If I'm being completely transparent with you, some of the worst days in the last few years were on the plane flights back or on the trips back because I realized that I was coming back to the same thing and the same things that I left are the same things that I'm returning to. And I was looking forward to finding some fulfillment or contentment. But what I've learned is I can't find it in a place. I have to find it in a person. And that person is Jesus. It has to be inside out. You cannot outrun your doubts. You cannot outrun your fears. You cannot outrun your insecurities. You cannot outrun them. They will always find you there because they are inside of us. So you allow the Holy Spirit to change you. True contentment is inside out. So how do we get there? How do we find contentment? We go back to verse 10 through 13 where I have, I have found a, a way to be content in everything, whether with everything or with nothing, with a lot or with a little, with a full stomach or an empty one. And he found it with this thought, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And I grew up in a private Christian high school and Philippians 4.13 was on the, uh, the basketball court. Philippians 4.13 with a lion. Like, you know what I mean? We, we were the lions and we were the Briarwood lions and we could do anything. And I, and I heard this verse and I, and I read this verse and I studied this verse and I always had the filter that it was like, I can do big things for God. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. And it was kind of like this, big dreaming, full of faith message. But when you read Philippians 4, he's not talking about that. Now, we believe in healing. We believe in faith. I believe in doing big things for God. I believe in taking risks. I believe in all of those things. I believe that is a place. But Paul's not writing about that here. He's talking about worry. He's talking about loss. He's talking about being hungry. He's talking about having nothing. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me is way more about the small things and the God things than our big preconceived things. He's saying, I can do everything. I can have it all and I can accomplish it because Christ gives me strength. I can have nothing and I can survive it because it's Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But, for that to be true, for me to do all things, for me to do everything that God has for me, Christ has to have my everything. Which means I gotta give him access to all of it because he's the source. John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. He is the source of life. He is the, 
air that we breathe. He is the life that we have. He gives us new life. He is the source. I can do everything through Christ, but he has to have access to everything because he's the one that's resourcing us. He's the one that's strengthening us. He's the one that's allowing us to move forward. We have to draw just like a tree draws from a deep root system. We have to draw the deep resources of God by our faith. We fall and we fail against the pressures of life because we don't draw on the right resources. We say, th- we say it like this, I can do all things through Christ. When really it's I, I can through the power of Christ. We like to emphasize I, and the whole point is, is that we can't, but he can. You cannot find contentment on your own. You cannot find it in a person. You can't find it in a position. You can't find it in a place. You can't even get into this idea of self-help and positive thinking. Nothing will change with your contentment until you change the focus off of you and on to God. That's the only place to find it. So how do we do that? How do we find and keep contentment I wanna go back in verses six through nine and talk about how we give God our everything. How do we, I can do everything through Christ if I, give God, if I give Christ everything, how do we do that? There's three steps, really simple, starting in verse six. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then, then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The first thing you need to do, and if you don't get this one, just, just don't, don't even try the second two because they have to be built on something. A, a house has to be built on a foundation, on a slab. You can't build the framing before you pour the slab. And so the slab, the foundation of contentment is your walk with Jesus, your walk with God. So right here in verse six and seven, when we see this, write this down. If you're gonna find and keep contentment, you gotta pray the right way. You gotta pray the right way. It's either worry or it's security. Check this out, worry is just spiritual insecurity. I know it's raining, don't be distracted. (laughs) The glory of the Lord is falling right now, thank you Jesus. And let there be no leaks in Jesus' name. (laughs) Worry is just spiritual insecurity. And it's the opposite of faith. Check this out. Worry is a bad investment into an imaginary world we've oftentimes created in our own minds. Worry is a bad investment into an imaginary world that oftentimes we've created in our own minds. Can we be honest today? I'll be honest with you. I struggle with worry from time to time little over-analytical strategics in my top gifts on strength five. I'm always thinking, would you be honest, anybody ever worried about anything? Some of you don't have your hand up and I just, I'd love to meet you because you're Jesus. (laughs) Now we worry. And I I worry more than than, than some, uh, based off some some childhood trauma, I have ADHD. I know you're probably not surprised if you've attended this church very long. and that's, that makes for some great strengths. I can spin a lot of plates. I think about a thousand things at one time. Gabby's always fascinating. What are you thinking about? I'm gonna think about this and I'm planning this and I'm strategizing this and we're gonna start this, we're gonna stop this, we're gonna build this. And she's like, you're thinking about all that right now? I was like, yeah, all at one time. 
insanity. So it's, it's a strength when it comes to uh, the businesses that we run and the, the church that we uh, have the privilege of, of helping lead. But it's also awful when you're, when you're going through something tough, when you're going through something stressful, you know, when you're, when you're planning something or when you're going through a, maybe a, a relationship difficulty with a person. Anybody else plan out everything that's going to happen? Like I have the conversation before the conversation and the follow-up conversation and the follow-up to the follow-up conversation. They're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and they're going to say this, and they're not going to see this coming because I've already had this conversation in my head, so I'm already prepared for what they're going to say, so I'm going to say it like this. Boom! Checkmate. And I plan out both outcomes. Maybe we hug or maybe I kill you and bury the body. I don't know. The good news is I've made such a bad investment in both imaginary worlds, I'm good with either one. We have so many conversations in our heads that the conversation in real life never happens. What a waste of time. What a bad investment. When the Bible says don't worry about anything. Why? Because we don't have control of it anyway. Have you ever thought about if... What I'm worried about doesn't happen, I waste a lot of time. If what I worried about does happen, I still don't have any control over the outcome. So what if we released it? That's what prayer does. Prayer says, I'm no longer holding it. God, you got it. And when we release control, God releases his comfort. You will never get the comfort and the hope of God with you trying to control it on your own. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And it's a relationship, so we don't have to wait till the end to talk to him. We don't have to wait till the situation's upon us to talk to him. Tell God what you need. Like, God, I'm struggling with this. I, I have this fear. I have this insecurity. I, I have this doubt. And it doesn't have to be this long theological prepared statement. It just has to be access. What I've learned in this last season, especially learning and Growing in my marriage with Gabby, as we, we pray together quite often, and in a short moment in prayer, nothing profound will release kind of a freedom and a peace and a different perspective into every situation. It's tough to have a silly argument when you invite the Holy Spirit into it. You're like, oh, that was kind of dumb. Yeah, all right. You good? I'm good. All right, great. But even stressful things, it's amazing. We've got some decisions coming up, and it's amazing when you just stop trying to figure it out and just say, God, you got it, because he does have it. And I don't have to figure it out. I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect and it's gonna go, but I promise you the Bible is true. It says if you stop worrying and give it to God, you will get a peace. You may not get the answer. You may not get the clarity, but you will get the peace. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then it says this, not only do we get a peace which surpasses all understanding, check out this next line in verse uh, seven, I believe, yeah, at the end of it. His peace, you not only get it, but now his peace, because you've given up control, now you've got his comfort, his peace will guard your mind and your heart. So not only are you gonna get rid of worry, but now you have protection. This is, gives us access to protection over our mind and over our feelings because we've given God control. And he's given us comfort. We gotta pray. We gotta pray the right way. If you don't know how to pray, we have a prayer small group starting in the fall. We have 21 days of prayer happening here at Winter Park, 6.30, Monday through Friday, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. All the details will be coming out. That starts in August. Uh, we'll be here for 21 days with, with uh, leaders here and prayer team members here and 
prayer manuals, prayer guides. It's a great time to start taking your journey. Uh, Maybe in your prayer life, I promise you, if you want contentment, joy, and security, it starts it starts with a healthy prayer life. Here's the next one, write this down. We gotta pray the right way. The next one, we gotta think the right way. We gotta think the right way. We gotta fix our thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. We gotta think the right way. Too many of us have our thought life in disarray. Too many of us are listening to the wrong voices. Too many of us are, are trusting the wrong sources. Your thoughts matter. Because your thoughts become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your character, and your character becomes your destiny. So your prayer life goes before your thought life, but your thought life matters. Where you spend most of your time in your head will be what you walk out. Now, I'm not saying you can conjure up your own destiny. I don't believe in that. It's God's will, not my will. But what I'm saying is it's amazing when I think about certain things, how my attitude changes, how my actions change, how my behavior changes. What are you thinking about? This verse says you gotta fix your thoughts because God knows that the world's gonna try and move them. It's not, it's not it doesn't say just think about these things. It doesn't say just ponder these things. It doesn't say reflect on these things. It says fix your thoughts. Like pour a foundation. Be planted in the ground. Nail yourself down. Screw it into the wall. Like put, like put, some, put some firm things connecting and holding it together. Fix your thoughts on what is true. That's where we start, by the way. In a world that's full of lies, in a world that's full of opinions, we have to know the truth. And the only truth is God's truth. It's the truth from the word of God. There is no other truth. Everything is based on that. If we get away from that, there is no basis or foundation for what is true. That's why Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and the first thing he lists is the belt of truth, because their armor, their... um, what they would have had on, their sword, their shield, everything would have been too heavy. If the belt would not have held it together in the center holding it firmly, they would not have been able to function properly. Everything would have been too heavy and too flailing in the battle. The belt of truth held it all together. I'm here to tell you as believers, it is the truth from the word of God that holds us all together. When we fix our thoughts, it has to start on God's word. We fix our thoughts on what's true so we don't fall for the lies. Because right now, there is so much truth that's just opinion. I mean, you could read an article today and tell you the sky is red. You walk outside, that's blue. Blue sky. They're like, no, it's red. I feel like it's red. I don't care how you feel, it's blue. We have so many different opinions, social media. Programs you watch on TV, articles, blogs, this is what's truth. No, you gotta fight to find real truth. And I had a practical thought in the 1030 service. What if we started our day fixing our thoughts? I'm not saying you have to write a dissertation on the Bible, but what if you read a verse before you read a post? Or read a verse before you read an article? What if you started with truth before you got to the lies? Because regardless of what side you're on politically or educationally or whatever we're arguing, there's a whole lot of people lying on both sides these days. 
Very few people are fighting for truth. They're just fighting to win an argument. And those are not the same things, by the way. Fix our eyes on what is true. I may just preach for an hour. I'm going to preach till the rain stops, Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And so you're not going to leave anyway. I'm just kidding. No, I'm going to. I'm hungry. I'm going to get done when I'm supposed to be done. So fix your thoughts on what is true. The next one, fix your thoughts on what is honorable. We can be honorable or we can be critical. And as I talk about being critical, let me be clear. I'm not talking about healthy accountability. I'm not talking about the discipleship processes. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I'm not talking about correction. I'm talking about being critical. The difference between correction and criticism is relationship. Correction is a healthy part of the body of Christ, a healthy part of the church. Criticism is not. Because feedback without the context of a relationship is just wasted. I don't care. If, if somebody doesn't know you, why would you let them define you? But we are so late. We, we love to sit back and criticize. And a lot of times we do it with celebrities or athletes and we, we feel good because like, we can just say whatever we want, but, but those, are, those are people too. And what happens is we get in the habit of talking about some people, so then it just fills up we talk about everybody. Have you thought about how uneducated and lazy you have to be to spend all your time talking about somebody else? Like you don't have any original thoughts. You don't have any ideas. We just gotta sit around and talk about what somebody else is doing. Our life is so boring and so uneventful and so unfulfilling that we can't talk about anything that's actually happening in our life. We have to talk about what's happening in somebody else's. It's lazy and it's demonic. How do you know the difference between criticism and correction? It's relationship. I heard this week, if you have a problem with me, text me. Call me. If you don't have my number, you don't know me well enough to have a problem with me. It's so true. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about everybody. We allow the world to define us and we get so negative and so critical. And I'm not talking even about the church. I'm just talking about just us in general. We can be honorable. We can fight for what's true and what's honoring to God and honoring to others. Here's the next one. Fix your thoughts on what is right over what's wrong. There is so much wrong with people. There is so much wrong with us. And we need to be corrected and we need to be held accountable and we need the Holy Spirit to convict us. But too many times Christians are trying to play the Holy Spirit's job. Let's focus on what is right instead of always finding the negative. What is pure instead of what's ugly? What's lovely instead of what's hateful? Let's fix our thoughts on what's admirable over deplorable. Let's fix our thoughts on what's excellent over just being lazy. Let's fix our thoughts on things that are praiseworthy, which is just Jesus, just God the Father, just the Holy Spirit, the only thing worthy of praise, over selfish. It's tough to remain selfish if our focus is on what's praiseworthy. God, thank you for this. God, it's tough to be ungrateful when we focus on how good our God is. It's tough to struggle with contentment over and over again when we realize how great he is and how much he's loved us and given to us. That's why Paul's saying, fix your thoughts on these things. Because a lot of people can speak, a lot of people can 
lie, a lot of distractions can happen, but, but you and I have free will. We can control how we spend our time and it should start in prayer. And we can, for the most part, unless we have a condition or struggle with mental illness and we need help to get through that in a normal functioning brain, we can control our thoughts. We get to pick what stays in here. And if you can't control it, ask God to help or seek real help. But there's thinking the right way. Nobody can tell you how to think. That is something that changes from the inside through our relationship with God and we change our habits. Gotta fix our thoughts like an anchor keeps a boat steady as the seas move. Our, our thoughts keep us steady. Heard it said one time, our thoughts are like the rudder that guides the ship. And our thoughts are important. Here's the last one. Verse nine, I gotta live the right way. Gotta pray the right way, gotta think the right way, we gotta live the right way. Verse uh, nine, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and that you saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So we gotta pray the right way, we gotta think the right way, now we gotta live the right way. It matters how we live, church. It's not just what we say. Come on, you've, you've got little kids in here, you've raised kids, you've been around kids. Kids will listen to what you say, but they will repeat what you do. We're modeling it. And we have to be a church that says, we love people, so we have to serve people. We love God, so we have to have moments in the presence of God. We, we, we believe in this, and then our actions have to, to back it up. We have to live the right way. So I wanna ask you, how are you living? Do you live in a similar fashion in every setting in your life? And if there's a difference in certain settings, which one's a lie? Which one's the counterfeit? How are you living? Are you living in such a way that's different? We should be different, not perfect. Pretending you're perfect is self-righteousness, it's religious, it's pharisaical, and nobody believes you. By the way, I just have it all together. No, you don't. You're probably a serial killer. Just having that conversation with that. People that are like, I have it all put together are probably the craziest people in the room. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to be authentically you, but you submitted to the authority of Jesus. Live differently. Nobody, I didn't get a lot of claps every service. I'm telling you to live differently. I mean it. Pray, think, live differently. If you get off track, start the cycle over. I get a little messed up in my thinking, go back to prayer. I get a little messed up in, in, in how I'm living, let me check, am I thinking the right way? Am I seeing people the right way? Do I have the right filter? And just let that be a cycle that continually starts over. It's not complex, but it is sometimes easy to get lost in, but just stay in those steps. Wherever you get lost, go back to the step before and start over. How are we gonna find and keep contentment? I wanna give you four things. Four things that we need to know as we close out this message. We need to know who we are. We need to have a single mind, and that mind is to know who we are and whose we are, that we are Christ's followers, meant to know him and to make him known. That is the goal. Everything else is details. I have a single mind that I know who I am. I know how we are going to live. How am I gonna live? Check this. I'm gonna live submitted to the mission of Jesus. This is a submitted mind. 
No longer my will, but your will. That, if we could get that, contentment would no longer be something that we have to search for. If, we're, if we actually get this principle of submission, of submitted to the mission that Jesus has for us, we will no longer struggle consistently with contentment because we're not in control. We just say, whatever, wherever you say go, I go. You say yes, I say yes. You say no, I say no, because I'm submitted. I'm submitted to the, to the mission of Jesus, submitted mind. Here's the next one. Know where we are going. This is our spiritual mind, that we are focused on where we're going in our walk with Jesus. And the last one, know that eventually, sometime, sooner or later, it's promised, know that we are going to get there. This is where the security comes from because our hope is not here, our hope is in heaven. It's a secure mind because my eternity, my destination is secure. There's a confidence in the journey when you know where you're going. I don't have to have all of the details of how I'm gonna get there, but if I know that the destination is secure, it gives me confidence in the journey. And I'm following somebody who's done it. That's Jesus. So my prayer all week has been this, that we would exchange worry for peace because we would pray the right way. That we exchange the lies for truth because we're gonna fix our thoughts on the things that God says to fix our thoughts on. And that we're gonna live differently because we're gonna put into practice what we've prayed about and what we've thought and prepared about. Let me close reading this verse over you. I really, this is what I wanted the, the Spirit of God to do in our lives this, this afternoon. I hope that you got some principles that will help you. I hope that you come to 21 days of, of prayer. I hope that you live the right way and you're, you're serving at our back to school outreach and, and giving to the, the initiatives to help people. I hope you're doing all of that. But here, here just, just personally, not, not in the future, not next week, not what you're gonna do from this message. This is the moment that I want you to get from this service. Because I believe, spiritually speaking, the Holy Spirit's gonna do some things in this room. I pray this, I pray that God the source of hope. We're searching for so many things, but he's the source. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. How's he gonna do that? Because you and I, we're gonna trust in him today. Then, again, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of of the Holy Spirit. You and I, we can do everything through Christ. But Christ has to have our everything. And we put our trust in Him, we get joy, peace. And we can overflow with hope because we're no longer doing it on our own. Contentment is from the inside out. But where it starts, is with the presence of God on the inside of us. I'd love for you to bow your heads and close your eyes here at 12 p.m. as we get ready to close. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Philippians, I thank you. You've given us a foundation today to maybe approach some things differently, to find some contentment that we're gonna include you first. We're gonna pray. 
how we're going to think about the things that you've given us that you know that will produce fruit in our life. God, we're going to live differently. And let that be true individually and congregationally that we just look different because we have a relationship with Jesus. 12 p.m. every head bowed, every eye closed. We do this every week at Action Church, give you an opportunity to respond. I don't know if it was worship, if it was during a prayer, during a reading of a verse or the sermon. But the Bible is very clear that it's not men and women, it's the Holy Spirit that lead people to conviction, to repentance, to a relationship with Jesus. And the feeling that you had of wanting a change, of knowing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me, it's not a worship song, it's the Holy Spirit. And He's drawing you to a relationship with Jesus. That conviction should lead to a repentance, to a, a return to how you were meant to be, and that is in relationship with God. How do you do that? You surrender. There is a step that we have to take, and it is a significant step. It's us giving up control. Romans 10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, lordship is key because that means he's in charge. Praying first, thinking right, living right. As I was preaching that today, I'm preaching mainly to Christ followers. The first step is prayer if you're a Christ follower, but it's tough to talk to somebody you don't have a relationship with. And if you have not surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, you do not have a relationship with God. Therefore, prayer is not something you have access to. So before you pray the right way, you have to invite Jesus to lead you. Give your life to him and surrender and service and following him. I'm gonna lead you to prayer in just a moment. The words aren't that important. It is a surrendering of your heart to the Lordship of Jesus. If that's you, and you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, or maybe you want to recommit your life. I don't know what's caused you to doubt, caused you to worry, caused you to, to fight for control, caused you to lose contentment. But something's happened, and you've taken control of your own life. And today's a day where you say, I'm, I'm surrendering again. I'm resurrendering my life to Jesus. So for the first time, or it's a sign of recommitment for the first time in a long time. You say, that's me, Pastor Justin. I want to start or restart fresh my relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Middle. Yes, yes, yes. Got you in the back. Yes, ma'am. A couple in the stadium. Just a couple more moments. Yeah. You can put your hands down. If you pray that, if you raise your hand, pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this, say, God, I love you. God, I thank you. Thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I'm saved only by your grace. And today I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are Lord. Jesus, I give you that place, complete control. Thank you for saving me. God, I pray for all of us. God, I pray this week that we would include you first. We're gonna bring it to you. We're gonna release control. God, I pray for our thoughts today. God, even if it's just for brief moments, even if it's a struggle, I just pray that we would set up a routine or habits to fix our thoughts on what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. 
but is excellent, what is worthy of praise, that we would focus on you and then we'd live differently because of it. We're going to pray, we're going to think, we're going to live differently because we're putting you at the center of everything. We love you. We thank you for joining us here this afternoon. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made?